You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. And now, Side B. You know what? Let's let's talk about Insecure. Um, so Insecure, <laughs> produced by Swoop, uh, another another friend of the show. Um, so after Gorgeous, you know, now you follow that with, with Insecure, which um, I will describe as feeling very dramatic and almost like an intro beat. Now, the content isn't like an introduction, but it has that sort of very dramatic feel to it. So why yeah. Insecure at this, at this point in the album? This was originally the intro that I wanted <laughs> like this it, it felt it felt the same way it felt like introducing you know the mocker and the monarch you know cloak and dagger you come out and it's just weird but it's uh like you said the concept didn't fit and production wise it didn't rep- it doesn't represent the album very well um right. the the album has different elements of production that I think it's important to establish the tone first and and wit was was pretty heavy on that too and, and letting me know like this doesn't this doesn't set the tone for what you're going to hear on the whole album mm-hmm. so you know I think that it fit as a another stark contrast to gorgeous kind of you know you're feeling good you're going about your day and then you go back into I guess back into the closet with the lights off you know and you're in this intense war with yourself to an extent so so yeah I mean definitely took some creative liberties on this one, uh, tried to do some different things. This was one of those tracks that I got from Swoop, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to take on this challenge and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. It's an album. I think I have liberty to do that and love it or hate it. I actually kind of, I feel proud of, of at least being brave enough to try. Armand, sir? <laughs> I don't like this record at all. I don't like the hook. The hook is overwrought, um, to be honest. <laughs> like, I'm just not right. really feeling it. Um, I will say the drums and the singing feel very uh, uh, 2008 Kanye West. Very, very 808s-ish. Um, but, yeah, that hook. Mm, not feeling it. What would you say is the hook? Because it's not, I mean, it's. I'm even having difficulty determining what... <laughs> the hook is if there is a hook i think right. it's kind of a it's more of a progression sure of, yeah sure you're right it is not a um a typically structured song um yeah not at all but yeah i mean i like i like i like your verse that's probably where it stops i don't like anything <laughs> else about the song you know? i don't like the, i don't like the beat the beat is way too dramatic it's like beady mcbeat maker it's it's it reminds me of a kanye that i don't like um, uh, honestly, I don't. Rem- I don't mind you singing. I don't. The singing didn't bother me. Yeah, this isn't the first time that I've heard Taylor sing. He's done "Wishing Well." You know, I've even heard a reference doing it too. But like, that doesn't bother me at all. Um, it's just uh, I. I just don't. I just don't like the record. Like, I just don't like it. It's. It sticks out like a. There's a couple records. I think the records that I don't like. I don't like them because thematically and sonically, there's a theme. There's one record that sticks out like a sore thumb and it's like a perfect stick out. But then the records that I don't like, they stick out in a like in a not good, like the, in a bad way. And yeah. this is one of those records. Yeah, it's OK. It's OK to hate it. Like, I mean, that's my thing is like, I mean, man, it's just unreasonable to think that everybody's going to like everything. But I tell you what, I really like this song and. Like, I will show this to my kid when he turns 15. Like, your dad did this. And he <laughs> <laughs> would be proud. Like, even if he laughed. Like, I mean, it's, it's something that was a creative risk. 
and yeah, of course you hear the kind of elements and, and things like that, but um, I don't know. Like, I mean, there, there are just some elements that you never know if you're going to get the opportunity to, to play in that arena. So you give it what you got, but as you'll see, it'll be, it'll be like some comfort points that I for sure will come back to. So after, after Insecure, we get to track five, Vogue, produced by Wit. Um, yeah. we, are, we are back to uh, what I would describe as a dark, menacing trap beat um, of sorts. Um, so why Vogue after Insecure? Well, um, I, think, I think Vogue gives at least a little bit more Bob potential. Um, it, it, it is, you know, kind of con- continuing along that dark slope. Uh, in the sense of, you know, where are, you know, where am I in this journey of introspection? And I think Vogue gives us that bridge into an overall transition. It gives us an opportunity to revisit what it looks like to contribute to a vain show or, you know, this display you're trying to give everyone, everyone. You've gone from looking at yourself directly in the mirror at Insecure, and now you're back to what I want everybody else to see. So um, Vogue pretty much represents this idea that the magazine cover is what it's made for people to give first impression. Uh, they don't make that for the background. They don't make that for, for it to be ignored. Um, it's done up in every way, shape, or form. It's, it's made up to the highest, deg- highest degree so that you can buy into it. So, yeah. Out of all, like you had mentioned before, I think we had talked about um, track two, maybe sounding a little bit uh, famous, maybe sounding a little bit like... Uh, you're somewhat inspired by if you're reading this uh to me vogue really uh felt especially your flow actually at times feels um feels somewhat reminiscent of drake on on if you're reading this is too late um was that maybe not purposeful but um is it fair to say that's an album that you listened to this year oh yeah oh yeah i listened to it um and and the thing about it is is yeah i mean that's that's definitely there that's that's a decision stylistically for right me. um like like Armand said, like if you listen to my, I think, you know, anybody who's listened to just my music in general over the past two years, um, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find any emulation or inkling of, of Drake. So, you know, to hear elements very strongly that represent that, uh, for me, I think it represents the intentionality. You know, it's not like, mm. oh, he's changing everything and he's turning into, no, it's, it's like, no, nah, I made that decision. And, and to be honest, just as an artist, um, it's like fun. You know, <laughs> it was fun to play with that style. Like it was like, okay, you know, this is what the kids like, you know, whatever. You know, it's just it's it's not even it's not even hard to rap like that, you know. So it's out there, it's it's available to play with. So you you know, you kinda of put your own spin on it and, and leave it there. Yeah, this is one of those records I really wanna see how it comes across live. I really oh, want to great live. Yeah, it, it's. I yeah. want to see people's reaction to it because it's very. The tempo is very. I mean, it's a turn up tempo, but it's not a turn up record. But then it is a turn up record because the drums are really hard, but it doesn't have like synths and horns and pianos and all that stuff. But like, because then you're actually con- your conceptual turn up is always really fun to perform as an artist and then also to like experience as a fan because. Not only do you have my limbs, you know, I'm doing a little turn up dance with my arms where I look like I'm picking up groceries, but I'm also, you're also, you're also saying something 
you're also, again, like you have content. So it's almost like I can't just turn my brain off and enjoy this. As you said, and enjoy the fact that you can enjoy this music. There's still a, a, a call to where the audience has to give you your ear. Those are those records are always really, really interesting just to watch and see how they respond, because it's like a malfunctioning robot yeah. <laughs> like people really can't don't know how to how to how to take that because it's it's not as universally accepted and and keep it real like some artists i know lupe's tried it um some other artists they don't do it that well yeah so yeah yeah i mean it it, it will be interesting and and it's kind of like um you know i'm i'm used to rapping in a way where it's it's kind of like you're you're here to experience maybe just the beauty of rap um instead of finding a sing-along moment all the time but i feel like there are sing-along moments to the song but you just have to be down for the message you know what i'm saying like if you don't like a friend of mine um you know who's not a christian listened to this song and his response was he used to throw events in the club and, and his, his response was they can play this in a club and be completely fine with it. That could just be the drums. That could just be, you know, maybe just the progression of the song. I don't know, but he said he listened to it and, and he basically wanted to listen to it three more times after he heard it the first time. And his response was like, man, they throw this one in the club. So I don't know. Like, you know, I don't, all I know is what I can control about making a record and, you know, I think that there's just a lot of different ways to respond to it. So, Armand, is it safe to say you like Vogue? Yeah, Vogue, Vogue is solid. Um, I really like the fact that you released this first um, because this was the, hey, guys, my album's really coming out song. And I think it accomplished yeah. that. Um, yeah. And it, it fits well on the on the context of the album. It's not a song that I immediately run to like, yo, I got to hear Vogue. Um, yeah. But when I'm letting the album play through, it feels good. So it's it's it's, it's a cool record. You, do you hate it, Doc? Because no, not at all. Made better better records on this. If you're reading this too late. <laughs> no, I, my relationship with if you're reading this is too late is interesting anyway. Where it's arguably not really Drake's best work, and yet in some ways some of those records might be his catchiest. Um, it is it is the it is a uh, sort of a conundrum of Drake recently, right? Where um, he uh even though a record may not be the strongest the reaction of people to these records uh, sometimes uh amazes me a little bit but no um no I, I like vogue um i think that i think it sits in a very interesting like the sequencing is really interesting like the feel of gorgeous into insecure and then vogue and then cold which we're going to talk about in a minute um it, it's uh it's not a straight line with those songs right the um that first sort of initial run there's a there's a certain feel to it, but you're sort of taking some some left and right, left and right turns here. Yeah, yep. yeah. It, go ahead, Taylor. No, I was just going to say, yeah, like it's if you use the roller coaster analogy, it, yeah, I mean that you may be upside down, you know, you may be going through a tunnel, you don't know if you're getting ready to get jerked to um, some sort of apex to drop. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully it is a journey in some respects. So that's what we try to accomplish with the sequencing. So for me, Cold is the first record that really dips if we're using this roller coaster analogy. So we've gone up. We've had little slight dips. We've had turns. We've even went through tunnels. But Cold is like a sharp left and a, a straight 90 degree dive. Yeah. It, uh, produced by Peace586. Um, I would say like the beat is very dominated by what I would call 
not an unusual drum pattern, but an unorthodox drum pattern. And it really, it mm-hmm. like, and the obviously the point is, like, people's ears immediately get caught. Like, even if you're getting somebody who they're sort of only, they're doing the five second test, they're like, play five seconds, and then I skip next song, next song, like, Cold jumps out at you. Um, mm-hmm. Is that why Cold is at this place on the album? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I figure people are getting too tired of being in the dark hole, um, you know, so it's just an overall wake up. Uh, splash to the face type of record um, still communicates the um, at least this idea of wrestling through the dichotomy um, because there's just a lot of straight talk on the song so yeah. you know it, it just gets there and it's there are things that are said directly that you know aren't sugar-coated or hidden behind some sort of strange metaphor or nothing like that it's just like boom here it is and the beat is aggressive that way um, the hook doesn't let up in that way and um that's all intentional uh i, I said before there was a record where you, you sound a little like lupe to me this is the most lupe-ish i hear on the entire album it's because of the alliteration on verse one <laughs> just in general um uh yeah there's sometimes even it's even something like your voice at times not totally resembles but between that and and some of the rhyme, i would say even the rhyming pattern on here a little bit um it's Lupe-ish, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, when Lupe is on his game, Lupe is, you know, Lupe is Lupe. Um, Armand, how do you feel about Cold? This is my favorite record right now. Mm. Why, why is that? And not, and not my favorite record on the album. Like, this is my favorite song right now, period. The song is nuts. Like, the beat is stupid. Taylor's second and third verse are really engaging. Um, you know, to be so metaphorical... You know, very early on in the project, um, this reminds me of again another another Drake comparison. You how so far gone was very. You know, you went from um, Lust for Life to Houston, Atlanta, Vegas to successful, and then all of a sudden you went to Let's Call It Off and Ignorant Ish, and like it, there was a complete left turn, and like Ignorant Ish was like the beginning of things going all over the place where you thought you knew what you were getting with this project and things go in a completely different direction. That is what this, this record does for me. This record is stupid. This record is crazy. Taylor, were you at all concerned about talking about topics like Caitlyn Jenner, uh, mentioning or alluding to the Planned Parenthood controversy? Do you worry about alienating people at all? No, I mean, I think the way that culture engages controversy now, um, pretty much just doesn't allow people to have an opinion mm. and stand behind it. Um, you know, of course, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to have a lens that I look through about issues and, and, and culture and stuff like that. But I thought it was really interesting for me and maybe in some ways emboldened me um, when D.L. Hughley spoke up about how he felt about, you know, Caitlyn Jenner and the way that she, she or he looked. Um, I said he on the record, but you know, it's, it's like when he said that, then everybody was up in arms and then he gets on the view and he just flat out says like, I shouldn't be told how to respond sexually to the way that I think that this looks like, I don't, I wasn't attracted to that. I thought it was, I thought it was ugly. And I should be able to say that, you know, like that's, that's literally a part of my being. I responded in the way that was natural to me. And I think that, you know, in the way that society engages uh, social conversation now, it's like you're not allowed to have a natural response to anything. 
Um, you have to have the response that is going to be packaged within a, an acceptable perspective. And I just think that that's just, it, it ties right directly into the whole mocker monarch um, concept where it's just like you have to put on a face for people instead of telling them how you really feel or really what you believe is a blatant truth about the world you see. Mm. I think part of that is because I think that as a society, I think we, I think the idea is if we don't, if we don't disagree, then, then everything's just, then everything is okay. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It builds attention. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I completely disagree with you about Caitlyn Jenner. I completely disagree with you about what, you know, your, your, your thoughts on Planned Parenthood, but that's, we are allowed to have completely different opinions about that. Um, yeah. I don't know if I, I, I don't know. This isn't. This is a totally different topic than than talking about um, your album necessarily. But I, I don't know if I 100% agree that people aren't allowed to have an opinion. I think that they're. I think that celebrities or people who who make their who, whose livelihood depends upon um, being in the public eye, um, unless they are a particular type of celebrity, then they have whether they like it or not, they have made a deal where they are going to be palatable to a large audience that they can continue to be to make money for being famous. So when I hear people who are famous talk about that, I sort of roll my eyes and go, you know, you don't have to be famous. You don't have to do this, but you do. And there's a price that comes with it just because, you know, just because we have a you know a constitution that says you get freedom of speech, which by the way, means the government can't infringe on your speech. It doesn't mean that everybody can say what they want, but it, it doesn't mean that, you know, just because as a culture, you want to believe that people can speak their mind. It doesn't mean that as a celebrity, you get to speak your mind, but then not face any repercussions. That's not how it works to me. Yeah. Well, you would be in a minority <laughs> and you, you wouldn't be in the public sphere um, with that perspective, you know, or, or you'd be demonized or, and, and it's just, it's a function of a larger system that, that pretty much imposes this requirement to conversation. And it's just like, conversation is now being manipulated by, you know, whatever social powers that be. And like you said, you can have a disagreement. You can be civil about the fact that I don't agree with that. You decide to take the discussion further than that. Cool. If you don't, you leave the disagreement on the table, but that doesn't make, that doesn't give you the right to think less of that person. It doesn't give you the right to treat them unkindly, but you make your disagreement known. So, I mean, it's, it's not something that I, especially from a music perspective, um, there are all types of perspective. There is all types of messages and or uh, stances that people take in the way that they express themselves musically. All types. It's just that there are some that are largely accepted by culture and then some that are marginalized as how could they believe that? That's stupid. Well, I mean, if we all exist on the same playing field and, and we're allowed to communicate our perspectives, then how come yours gets to dominate the discussion? So that's just, that's kind of how I feel. Armand, you want to jump in on this? No, nah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree with Taylor. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not saying that because I, this is awkward for me. I just don't have anything else to add. Like okay. I, I, I agree with Taylor and I understand your perspective. And, you know, like Taylor said, like that doesn't mean that, we can't disagree, Doc. We've we've disagreed on surfacey issues about a track sequence, and we disagreed on deeper subjects. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that I I think of you less as a person, and I'm I'm certain that's vice versa. 
But, you know, I, I think that this conversation and I think conversations like this need to happen. Maybe not. Maybe, yeah, for the need for people to, you know, open up their perceptions and stuff like that. But to also just show that you can be civil and disagree. You know, there's just this large sort of theology that if I disagree with you, that I hate you. If I disagree with you, you know, I don't still care for you or think highly of you or whatever. So it's like, all right, let's have this conversation. Let's let's acknowledge the fact that we disagree. Let's explain why we disagree. Either we can come to a happy medium and take it further. That's cool. If not, let's leave it at the table and let that be what it is. We've we've made we've made our choice. And, you know, for some people, they feel like not making a choice is not making a choice. But that's not true. Not making a choice is making a choice. You've made a choice to not make a choice. That sounds Facebook deep. Like, so, yeah, it's not making a choice is making a choice. But sometimes people don't even know it's a choice. Right. True. Right. Um, And I thought, which, you know, which was interesting about how, like, you know, people can disagree without like, oh, my God, I hate you or you must hate me now or whatever else like that, because like. You know, I'm not gonna say who it is. I don't put them on blast because it's not my place to 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 air out their business. But like, there are people in my very close family who are transgender. Like, so when I hear people who who have a particular opinion about transgender people, like that hits me in the heart, right? But yeah. I don't hate anybody who has that opinion. I think that I think it's misguided personally, and I think that there's there's a you know there's a conversation to be had there. But I don't think that I don't think that person hates me. I don't hate them. You know, you can people can. People can reasonably uh, – that's an interesting question. Can, pe- can people reasonably disagree? People can have a civil conversation even if they don't agree. Yeah. yeah I think, I think the, the discussion comes into play when you lay the facets of your worldview on the table. Right. Like, you know, this plus this equals my conclusion in the way that I see the world. Like, this is literally what I live my life by. And sometimes there's there's this – shaky bridge that's somehow constructed to say we meet at the at the middle of this bridge and shake hands well that bridge looks like it's going to collapse at any moment and is that really a meeting in the middle if you know that there's such danger with you standing on it there you know and and who's really willing to come and go that far and give up the safety of their perspective um, I, I, you know, I just, I think it's a shame that, you know, you, you can't just strongly disagree about, I mean, I have transgender people in my own family as well. And, you know, there are other things that I discuss in my music over the years that, you know, would probably hit pretty hard personally, the people that I know very well. Right. Um, so it's, it's just like, man, do I just exist in this world to, uh, do my best to soften everything that I feel, or do I really believe what I believe and accept the consequences that come with them? Um, I think that's just a philosophical question that a lot of people have to ask in really trying to understand what it takes to to build and keep relationships. And I think in general, I think for you, you've made it like really clear on this album and on this podcast, like this album is is not sugarcoated, right? It is meant to be a challenging listen. Right. It is meant to be something that you have to think about. And, you know, the content on cold is um, is clearly the same way. Um, yeah. Anything else on mind you want to say about cold? Nah, nah. So uh, after the you know, what Armand 
termed, I think, a, a dip and a dive, or we could just say after this, the the sort of a switch up in sound of coal, we get to enemies produced by Wes Pendleton. Um, yeah, and it's a it's a dark beat again. Um, so <laughs> it is. And when I when I saw enemies, I immediately was like, oh, <laughs> maybe, they, <laughs> maybe maybe they maybe they just sampled the Drake record, um, which you didn't. Um, yeah. So talk to me, like, why Enemies now in this album? Um, it's it's kind of... This, Enemies is a song that was very intentional from a message perspective. Okay. Sonically, um, I think it works there. Yeah, um, it totally fits in with the album, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of still fits within the sequencing in, in, in an okay way, but it's about more so about a message that I was trying to communicate, which has to do with interpersonal relationships. Um amongst artists in, in music culture. Um, you know, there's this competitive element, but then there's this, this, uh, I don't know, plastic civility that, that seemingly people have that doesn't even lend itself to the opportunity to truly be friends with somebody who works in the same space as you do. Because at the end of the day, they're competing with you. At the end of the day, they are misreading or misinterpreting a tweet you put out that, they internalize as a direct shot to them. So it's kind of just coming out the gate and saying, look, I don't see enemies. Like I'm not, I'm not tripping off of that stuff. I'm a grown man. I'm, I don't have time to play these little cyber games or, you know, navigate through these awkward moments. Like this is who I am. And, and I hope that you share this perspective and we can just move forward. Um, so, yeah. Armand, how do you feel about enemies? Uh, it feels like, a version of a song earlier on the album that was wasn't done as well mm. um like vogue vogue sort of feel i'm sorry um enemies feels like vogue to me but vogue is the better record interesting so i'm not really like a big fan of this record i, I like taylor's flow on it um I, I actually like even though it is you know quote unquote another dark beat like i thought it was well done like so if anything i had the 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 flip sort of opinion for you like yeah there's you know there are songs on here that have similar feels but that's because like the album has a theme right but i like i like i like the execution of the song a lot um i like taylor's flow and i like the beat so you know me that's where i start Beating um, hey what can you say um so powdered toast man um <laughs> featuring let me make sure i get these names right b leaf journey big and dj effecto is that right yep all right. Yeah. Produ- produced by Daniel Steele, the first of two Daniel Steele uh, songs on here. Um, I, this is a boom bapish sort of beat, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why 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 a why a uh, why a collabo record at this point in the album? Because I needed this moment. I okay. needed it. You know, I just I, Armand and I. You know, we would talk about this like um, the long live rapidy rap. I needed a rapidy rap moment yeah this is a rap rap record yeah i just i with no excuses no hook just a dj just shut up and listen to us rap you know like that's that's pretty much what this is and and it falls on the mock i'm sorry the monarch perspective because that's literally who i am like the the vision of this song is is kind of like walking into um you know just a a hip-hop environment where they just love the elements represented of the hip hop culture. You know, you just get to spit and 
you get to enjoy just the feel of, of getting together with other people who love doing this with you. Armand, how do you feel about this record? This is one of the greatest song titles ever <laughs> in life. <laughs> Shout out to Ren and Stimpy. It sounds like the name of like a serial killer. You like, you watch Ren and Stimpy? <laughs> it's the Powder Toast Man. Um, I watched a little bit, but I wasn't really big into Ren and Stimpy. Got you. Okay, yeah. This is this was a direct reference to to right. that cartoon. Um, but I don't like this record. Hmm. What what is it? Is it the beat? Is it the the rapidy rapping? What's what's the problem? Uh, Taylor and I have actually had this conversation before okay. about something else, but it sort of fits in that vein. The beat, yeah, I'm not really crazy about the beat. It's quirky. Um, and I, and and that's and that's Daniel Steele. If you if you are familiar with with Daniel Steele's production, he can go as quirky as quirky does, and it'd be crazy. But this just this this didn't do it for me. Okay. Um, but felt like I've never gotten this from Taylor. Um, so this doesn't apply to him, but like, I don't like rap that where rappers rap about how well they rap. (laughs) Like my lyrics are (laughs) like this and my flow is like that. And it's like, we'll just rap and let me come up with that, that idea on my own. And that's sort of what I got. And I was like, nah. I mean, at least they're not like, you know, it's not like R&B singers singing about being in the studio, which is number one on Doc's list of stuff to not do on an album. Right. I don't want to hear, I don't, I hate hearing songs about music. I hate hearing (laughs) (laughs) DJ turn up the music like fam. (laughs) A little more in the headphones. Um, Well, no, we, I mean, we love to make fun of those moments, but like when the whole, when like there's a major part of the song is like, it's very difficult to pull off the girl. I know you miss me, but I got to work in the studio. Like, it's really. <laughs> it's yeah. always the intro, like, baby, come home. I got to finish yeah. the song. <laughs> My girl yeah. bugging me. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the studio. Like, oh, God. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. It's ter- but yeah, I did. Yeah. We're going to do I, that, Armand. I'm, I'm going to flip uh, Phil Collins' Sousa studio and. Um... <laughs> It's gonna be you singing, and we're gonna be in there. Um, no, Kyle. no, so <laughs> too. No, so you know, um, yeah, the song is cool. Um, the, I like, I kind of, you know, the pre, very primo esque scratches and the hook. Like it's what you said before. Like this is, this is four guys rapping. That was the point. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, it, it was even, it was even like little, very little thought about the title. Like Powder Toast Man was just something that just came to my mind and. You know, I love Brendan Stippy. I love to rap. Hey, let's go for it. You know, like it's it's like the antithesis of the thinking records. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I've told you, think, think, think. Now stop. Do you like rap? Yes or no? Listen to the song. <laughs> Tell me what you think. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> you think I, to- I think I told you about that story where I accidentally ended up at a at a uh, semi-prominent Christian rapper, I guess that's an oxymoron, uh, ended up at his concert. And the way that the the host introduced him was like, hey guys, do you like rap? (laughs) (laughs) And like, I was sitting there with some of my boys and we were like, oh my God. Like, that that statement just reminded me of that. It's like, uh, it's like Emma on on My Name is, hi kids, do you like Primus? It's like that voice. Um, Yeah. So, uh, but you know, it's it's funny that that's it's funny that that's the break. Um, that this is the hey, take a break from thinking and just enjoy us rapping record because this album ends really heavy. 
conceptually yeah. and lyrically. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because my song. I was going to say, um, let's try to speak somewhat objectively about the next song, which is Mike Lowry and Marcus Graham featuring a dude named Armand produced by Daniel Steele. Um, uh, why? Why that record? Why, why this record at this point in the album, Tay? Yeah. Why? Why? Why the first time people hear Marcus Graham is on your project? Oh, that's that's a question you can answer for the good people. <laughs> Quick, Armand, we've got two, we've got two days. Not, no, yeah. ta- no. Taylor has been like he has had. Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons where Tom Jones was singing to uh um to Marge and Homer, but he had a gun in his back. <laughs> That's what Taylor's been doing with me in the Epiphany of Marcus Graham. Like he has he has held me up at gunpoint and threatened me and asked me why I haven't put the project out. So it is my fault. It's my L. Anyway. Yeah, I mean it's it's kinda like an alley you, you know, in a sense. So, you know, go ahead and hopefully this is some additional motivation on an album. You said that, <laughs> you know. I don't know. But uh the song the song uh I think, you know, it's okay if if I'm on likes his, the song he's on like i mean I, I i like the fact that he likes the song you know if, if he felt like it sucked then that would be really challenging to talk about this right now but uh <laughs> i think the song is is um sonically once again it, it kind of gives a little bit more of a of a nice vibe to it like i, I love this beat that dan did man I, I really love it um it just immediately put me in a certain place with just like a robe and some slippers on. Like I just felt good listening to it and writing to it. I had a whole lot of fun with um, just the concept itself, which the concept is just an overall picture of just chauvinism, male chauvinism. Um, what I'm really interested to see from this song is just how people respond to the picture of the chauvinist. Like, do they are they disgusted by it or do they feel sorry for this guy? You know, so. It'd be it'd be really for me. It'd be a probing question. Like, say, okay, so when you heard this, like, what was your immediate response? Um, you know, contempt or compassion? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we Taylor and I call this the Dirtbags for Jesus song. Mm. Um, I think you should have just called it Dirtbags for Jesus. <laughs> Dirtbags for Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> people would not have listened to that. Hashtag Dirtbags number four. Jesus, I'm telling you, <laughs> y'all missed out. Um, yeah, it it's it it's very interesting because you you hear the dichotomy of a of a struggle even with the chauvinism where you know this is what I know because of how I was raised, what I was exposed to, you know, what I was taught makes a man quote unquote and now I've grown up, I'm an adult, um, you know, for me I have a daughter um or even the listener may have a sister uh, a niece, a cousin, somebody that they're close to. And there's sort of this dichotomy of how do I neglect and reject all that I know and walk into this newness that is more of respect and honor and not just respecting the woman, but respecting yourself enough to respect somebody else, especially of the opposite gender. Um, it's a really layered and heavy record. And I think that's why I like it so much because it it completely challenges that perspective that rarely gets talked about. You know, chauvinism is not chauvinism from a male perspective is a very taboo topic. You don't really hear men talking about chauvinism unless they are no longer chauvinists. But well, what about the what about the chauvinists who 
you know, is he is either struggling with that idea or the chauvinist, I guess, or the chauvinist. You hear the perspective from the chauvinist that completely just enamors his, himself with his chauvinicity. Is that I, what I was going to say? I mean, chauvinists are being chauvinistic all the time, right? That's yeah. like saying, that's like saying, you don't often hear white people um, express white privilege. Well, no, that's actually what happens a lot all the time. So, no, I, I get what you're saying though. Is you're talking about sort of grappling with the notion of, of yeah, uh, like hey, maybe maybe this thing that I was taught, you know, is wrong. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that it comes after the rapidity rap record for many of us, you know, I don't I think hip hop played a role into it. If you're listening to N.W.A. records at five years old, like I was, and you're hearing records like a B is a B and you're hearing the way that they are talking to these women. And that's been a, a, a big conversation lately, too, is, you know, why are we celebrating N.W.A.? You know, when they took the stands that they did and they made the songs that they did and they caused so much death and violence and things with those music with their music and. You know, I was a part of that generation. I, I'm I'm grateful for it and I appreciate it. Um, but also, I'm not gonna sit up here and lie in front like that wasn't the first time that I that that wasn't the first time that I heard and saw women being um, objectified. You know, so then you grow up with it, and then all of a sudden you you come into a different place. You're grown up. You're mature. And now what? Let's deal with that. You know what I'm saying? So I I, I love the record. I love it. I love it. I have one critique for the record, which is I, I, the tempo is too slow for me. I feel like the beat plods along a little bit. And that there's two for me, there's two issues with that, which is like I'm just biased towards certain tempos. Like I'll just be upfront about that. But also I feel like different tempos will get an MC into a different sort of space with regards to how they how they approach their flow. And I, I prefer the two, two of you to be on a slightly faster tempo. That That's my critique of the song. I got extra nerdy there for a second. Sorry. <laughs> You know what the funny thing is about that tempo? I wouldn't have, have I wouldn't have picked that tempo either, but it it I think it allowed us to say more. Well, that's right. I mean, that's the right. That's the that's the new school approach to that to sort of slower tempos, right? When we were when we were growing up, slower tempos meant, with the exception of maybe Bone Thugs and Harmony, you said a lot less. But the sort of the surge back as tempos have continued to drop, in some cases to ridiculously low levels has been for some rappers they're fitting twice as much in without sounding like twista yeah taylor <laughs> yeah I'm, i mean you know it, it's one of those things for me like you know you like it or you don't you know it's it, i i happen to it relaxes me to hear slower tempos hmm. you know because it's it's just one of those to me it's one of those lost arts uh, it, it's funny like when i hear slow tempos like I mean, not even necessarily when I hear slow tempos, but just this conversation just literally harking me back to Ghostface uh, talking to Action Bronson in a in a robe, and you know, just like it was just for me that was like one of the most hilarious aspects of life in 2015, like just that whole sequence of that conversation. But it was just kind of like, yo, I'm gonna take my time, I'm gonna talk to you, you know, and mm-hmm. and I'm gonna make sure you you sit up straight and you listen to me like a man. You know, and it was it was just I loved every aspect. I mean, of course, it, it, he just he went all the way in, but it was almost better than a diss record for me. Like, I'm going to sun you in every way possible. But, you know, the the be for real in the background is just like, it's <laughs> just classic. So the slower tempo reminds me of maybe just that adult approach to, to conversation. And this hopefully is a conversational song. 
I don't want you to be wowed by rappy rap over the tempo. I don't want the tempo to overtake the actual experience of, of thinking through the subject matter. So it was a good balance for me. And see, for me, like where where it really works is the fact that it's fi- like it's it's tempered and it's sort of followed up on the tr- on the album by Scapegoats, which is produced by Wit and Forty Two North, which to me um, has a nice switch up on both the tone and the tempo for the song. Um, yeah. So talk so talk to us about scapegoats. Um, what you know as you as you're starting to wind the album down. What why this why this why this song and why at this point? Yeah, I mean because it is winding down. It's kind of coming to the to the climax. Um, scapegoats is, is pretty much just this idea of you know who's responsible, um, perception versus reality. Um, the voices who don't get an opportunity to speak for themselves. Um, the systematic. Uh, kind of presentation of what's positive and what's good when really there are people who should answer for for crimes if you will as your answer for for things that they've done that may never be held accountable um so it's it's weaving in and out of that general concept but at the same time just kind of expressing some real moments of highs and lows personally for me um so it's, it's a moment to kind of vent about you know how i felt about those things that happen and also just kind of point to the overarching understanding that, you know, whatever you may see is, it's just a small sample of what actually is going on. So, um, I'm a skeptic by nature. Um, I try hard not to be a cynic. So when I see things that, you know, are presented in a, in a marketable way, then it makes me want to really understand what's going on behind the marketing campaign. Um, so I basically am saying in this song that everything that you're being sold uh, isn't necessarily the truth, and there's a depth behind what we all show people that we need to come to grips with. Armand, how do you feel about this song? This is one of my favorite rap verses of the year. Mm. Um, Taylor has this, I, and I've compared him. To, I've compared him to sort of like he's a psalmist, where he's able to sort of convey himself um, in a way that is very poetic. So no matter how he feels, instead of saying, yo, I'm angry, there's a way for him to stretch that out into an eight or 12 bar sequence where he doesn't even say anger or mad, but you really feel the weight of the anger in his words. And he goes in a myriad of directions that is both like, there were times, you know, you're challenging Calvinism, you're challenging division in the church, you're you're challenging, you know, the what's something I was ranting about earlier today on Twitter, sort of marketing schemes and tomfoolery, but then it's it's sort of hiding behind, you know, Jesus and people not really understanding what that is and then ascribing themselves to that behavior because they they that's all they know and they think that it's okay and they trust these people who are presenting this idea. You're talking about, you know, being a, a, a black pastor at a predominantly white church. You know, you are, you're explaining yourself all these myriads, uh, this myriad of sort of emotions and things that you're dealing with in a way where sometimes I'm clapping and cheering because I'm agreeing with you. And then there's other times where I'm convicted because I'm on the other side of your gun, so to speak. You know, when you say my favorite line on the whole album is when you say it's it's like if I say Jesus won't fail you, somehow it's more real if I speak on my failures. Like, that's real. If I if I if somebody says 
I love God. I love the Lord. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know. But then if it's like, yo, I love God, but, you know, I just slept with my girlfriend the other night. Then it's like, oh, he's real. He's real. Well, what makes that realer than the former statement? You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it, I just love records like that, man. The production is crazy. Uh, it's, it's a great tempo for you to just sort of like coast on. I think this and the following song um, just allow you to sort of vent and put yourself on the table where for most of the album, you've been sort of metaphorically putting yourself on the table um, but speaking, but doing that for a larger worldview. But here you're just like, it's me standing in front of a mirror. This is what I'm going through. And I love that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Armand, did you pick up to me? Am I crazy? Does the, maybe not the content so much, but the feel of scapegoats does it feel a little uh, Wale-ish to you? No, not really. Um, I could hear Wale rapping over that beat, but That's- I wouldn't call it a Wale-esque beat. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what a Wale-esque beat sounds like. I don't even know if Wale has a has a style post Best Kept Secret. I was going to say, but this feels like the record that Wale would, goes back after after trying to do five MMG trap records in a row. It feels like this is the sort of beat that he comes back to to be like, see, I still have live percussion. It's okay. Mm. He always has those. Um, and I don't say that in a bad way. I like this beat and I think I think it, I think it fits Taylor uh, well. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting you say. I mean, we uh, we were when we were creating and, and kind of just trying to come up with some sounds for the album. One of my favorite beats of all time is uh, the People, um, the common song mm. of Kanye West. That's like I love how epic and, and just all encapsulating that that beat is for me. Uh, that's kind of the feel that we were trying to go for. Oh, it's like you reach, you leave the song you know, with maybe just like your fist in the air, you know, or just some sort of representation of just like, yo, I feel you, you know, like, thank you for, for going in like that. That's how I felt when I heard the people, like that beat could have gone on for at least 20 minutes and I would have just been standing in my room like, yo, this is just everything. So that's what we were trying to do. So the last song on the album, and you're sort of cheating because it's really two songs, but it's a two part song in a way. Um, yeah. Uh, Hallow Man featuring uh, Christian Grey produced by Witten 42 North so as I said it's it's a two part song um, but I'm guessing that you still think of it as one entire song so uh, talk to us if you will about um, why this song like uh, why this song to close it out and and why why sort of a two part record yeah yeah I mean it is kind of it is kind of a two song thing um but at the same time, it is one in, in the sense of just resolution and just right. kind of setting the record straight on what everything you just heard was. Um, I felt the liberty that to kind of extend it that way, quite honestly, because of um, uh, what's the song on Nothing is the Same, where obviously the cake, cake, cake with Jay. Pound you know, cake, pound cake, yeah. Yeah, pound <laughs> cake, and <laughs> worst first ever. But. Um, <laughs> It, it transitions into that other part, uh, Paris, what is it? Something. Oh, Paris Morton Music too. Yeah, yeah. So it transitions into that on one track. Um, so it's just something that came to mind. But this song is just kind of just a representation of, of what I believe. It'll go from hollow, the beginning to hollow. And, you know, that's obviously a reference to Christ. And, you know, essentially the center of the Christian faith is Christ and just kind of articulating what it looks like to struggle with 
coming to this conclusion, but at the same time embracing it and saying, this is who I am. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful um, that I arrived here. Um, <clears throat> and then it transitions into more of a, of a just kind of a, decla- a declaration between me and my brother of, of who we are. Um, because, you know, in some ways we've been misrepresented by people uh, who have whatever assumptions they have about who we are. And, um, you know, Chris has probably felt the brunt of that. Um, but we came into this whole rap thing together, you know, as a group. And we thought it would be a nice picture to leave people with it, it, is that we still identify this way. We still can do this together and, and, um, and just leave something for people to enjoy while celebrating what we believe. Armand, how do you feel about this record? Um, the first half is, is all right. Um, but I love it when it picks up and, uh, and you and Chris just kind of go in. Um, and I hear a lot of, you know, was it intentional for you to, you know, the last maybe 12 bars, like you're really, there's a sense of urgency and there's almost like a, a violent tone to, to what you're saying, you know, was, was that intentional for you to build up like that? Yeah. I mean, it just felt that way when I was <laughs> spitting the verse, it just, it just came out, you know, as, as the verse was kind of climaxing or just getting through the beat and, and just starting to think through what I was actually saying, that's just what came out. Yeah, I was I was being like rap snob, and I was like, I wonder did he punch in for this? <laughs> so I don't know. Punch in whatever, but, but yeah, nah, this, bro, that was all the way through. Yeah, this this the second half of this record, I really really like. I love the way that this album ends, and then it immediately goes back to Hollow Man. If you have the album on loop, um, it just feels right. Tragic Tragic's album did that as well, where it, it ends the way it ends and it starts back over. It feels like listening to it for the second time, like beating a video game for the second time and watching a movie for the second time and picking up on stuff that you missed or I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. I like the fact that it ends, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the ending. I dig that. Yeah. This, the second half of the song is the real winner. As you pointed out, like the, when the beat starts to morph and when it, when, when those snares really kick in, like this might be my favorite beat on the album. Um, so I, I, I think it's a really strong way to close out the album. Um, it's sort of, um, Honestly, the first part is sort of a of a, of a little like fake out, but um, uh, as as with Armand, I would say that yeah, first part starts out and you're like, all right, surging up nicely a little bit in the hook. We got this, but once that once that switch happens, that's when I'm in. But that's I'm also you know uh, that, that, that's exactly the kind of beat that I that I like to hear you on. So I like that you I like that you ended the album that way. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> That was kind of organic with Wit as well. Like, you know, he and some other people were really high on the first part of the beat, and, and I liked it, but I was just like, ah, this is not enough. You know, I, mm. I feel like we could we could add something to really just make it epic and close it out that way. When we got into that group, we both were just like, yes, this is right. this is where we need to be. So Wit had a huge hand in, in just a lot of this, and Wes had his hand in all of it as well. So, um like, man, I'm just looking forward to critiques, man. I'm looking forward to just people feeling the way that they feel and, you know, then revisiting and feeling different and all that stuff. I think that's dope. Yeah, so, one, you know, this year, or at least I should say lately on Clockwork Speakers, we've been trying to uh, trying to not, you know, be like, oh, well, the album's not even out or the album's out, out for not even a week and we have our definitive opinion. So we're not going to do that 
Um, I mean, I can do that. I've had okay. that. Okay. Well, then go <laughs> ahead, Armand. I was, I was trying to give you give you room. So you go ahead. Tell us. What do you think? Nah, this is this. There's a really good chance this is going to be on my top ten list. Um, you know, as we as we expressed last year or last last week's episode, people have said that 2015 is one of the best years for hip hop. I think there's been a lot of music that's put out, but none of it has really stuck. You know what I'm saying? This is an album that for me it sticks. You know, I go back to it a lot. You know, I go back to Tragic Heroes album a lot. I go back to the Internet and Sky Zoo's album. And, you know, the albums that are on my end of the year list, I go back to them and I don't feel like it's a chore or I don't feel like I'm supposed to like this because everybody else likes it or because this is my friend or whatever. Like, this is just a really, really dope project. And, you know, I'm I'm champion. I'm I'm excited for Taylor like it's my album. So, you know, if I tweet about it, I think it's it's crazy how. I was thinking about this earlier, you know, it's crazy how for independent artists, it seems like it's only cool to be a fan of another artist if they have something to like benefit, like they offer some sort of benefit. So they're at some sort of place of success that you want to ascribe to. So that's the only time you talk about them. But, you know, the people that you are, so to speak, on a level playing field with, if you talk about them too much, if you, you know, if you if you tweet or tell people about their album like it's yours then you're you're deriding or you're you're jocking them too much and like i'm just excited because i've seen taylor's growth pause for like the last two years <laughs> man aren't we past okay. that okay, I could, whatever i know we're past that I know, I know. but like so i'm just i'm 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 just as excited to see the response the critique the reaction the response from the general public as if it was my album. So this is absolutely on my end of the year list, not because he's my friend and not because I'm on it, but because it's good music. So yeah, that, that my, I, my opinion is, is pretty solid. So unless like, you know, somebody just comes out with like thriller or Illmatic or something like that for the rest of the year, pretty sure this is going to be on my end of the year list. And there's not a whole lot of hip hop on my end of the year list. It's mostly R and B. I think there's, maybe two other rap albums on my end of the year list. I think it's Kendrick and, and Sky Zoo. Other than that, eh. Don't forget oh, and, it. And, and Tragic. Okay, so that's, so that's four. So we're about half. It's about half. Don't forget 60. about that Tyler album. You're right. <laughs> that just completely no. eliminated my... Yeah. No, no King Los? No. Nah. Um, no, I think with, with Los, like, he can rap, and the songs that I like are really good, but the project as a whole, nah, nah. But the songs are like really, really good songs. But the album as a whole, nah. Okay. Nope. That's it for you? No, no. I'm just one. I was just wondering, you know, because and yeah, like you said, he can really rap, and I I don't know if that covers up the bad. Um, but you know, there's some high points. No, I think the really interesting thing about one thing that we can compare with his album to yours is that he sort of over explains his topics when he raps. So one thing that like a lot of people critique battle rappers for is they'll say a scheme and then they'll like, I said this, get it, fly, swat it. Then you explain it instead of letting the audience just get it for themselves. And it takes away the value of it. So like if you were to, and we talked about this on Sunday Old School, shout to Clay, like if you split that album in half, you have something. But, you know, in 2015, I'm not trying to hear 15 tracks from somebody that I'm not already familiar with. And it was just it was too much of the same thing. He could have said, you know, like with you, every single topic minus maybe enemies or whatever. And even conceptually, I understand your perspective on that. Like it's 10 different 
perspectives to make a larger point. To me, that's that's perfect right now in the climate that that we're in. You know, if you're putting out albums with, you know, 15, 16, four, even 14 tracks, 14 is put, I'll take 14, but that's pushing it. Unless you are a Kanye, a Kendrick, a Drake, somebody who has has established themselves um, to be worthy of that of an extended listen, then you know, wrap it up, B. Armand, how long was Kairos? Seventy nine minutes and fifty seven seconds. <laughs> uh, Eighty minutes and twenty one seconds if you count the original version. That uh, we did. The work we the work we did to squeeze that onto a. And that's one of the reasons why, like, I, I, I hate, that's one of the things I hate about that album. It's way too long. It's too long. I, I, I'm just poking fun. Um, so, uh, Taylor, we've been on for a long time. Um, where, if people have, uh, first of all, people have heard the whole thing. Hopefully now what they want to do is they want to go hear this album that we've been talking about, The Mocker and the Monarch. Where can people find it at? That's on iTunes. It's on actually every digital outlet that you can find it on. I mean, uh, I made sure that it was available for streaming and I uh, just want to get as many ears on it as possible. Um, my One of my favorite outlets is, is uh, Bandcamp. So, you know, it'll still be on Bandcamp as well as all of the, you know, Google Play, iTunes, Amazon, things like that. So, yeah, it should be pretty easy to find. And, uh, and so we're recording this on today's what? the fir- Is the first? Yeah, today's the first. This will be out uh, probably actually uh either late tonight or early tomorrow. So if you're hearing this and it's not yet the third, this comes out on September 3rd. Um, uh, it actually comes out on September 4th. Oh, Sorry, you, you got to yeah, fix Ross, your band Ross camp. comes out Thursday. You got to fix your band camp, man. Well, that's just for band camp listeners. Oh, see, I'm yeah. blowing up your spot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, if you, if you get it on band camp, you can. Sorry, it's too late for whoever. If you're hearing this, it's too late. Um, but you know, sh- basically, it comes out on bad kids in the third, but everywhere. Right. Well, if you're if if you do if you do like Taylor's music and you want to support it and and you wanna and you're gonna pay ten dollars for the album, go, go to Bandcamp because because uh, he's gonna make a little more money that way. Um, yep. uh, Armand, anything else you want to say before we uh before we wrap up here? Nah, uh, you know Taylor, thank you for for being on the show. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for you know being a fan and always hitting me up and. You know, consistently being being a consistent listener to the show. Um, congrats on the album and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, that's it. Rapidy rap will live forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, appreciate y'all. Uh, I, I just I love this this outlet, and hopefully more artists will come on here and, and let their their album go through the grinder. Well, well, thanks for being on the show, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, for everybody else. Um, I'm pretty yeah. We'll be back next week, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a bunch of new projects, and we're gonna see uh, what I can force Armand to listen to. And uh, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen. All right, we'll, uh, we'll catch y'all later. <laughs>